Well, spring has sprung in Canadian cities and with the sound of a robin in the park, uh, pastors in urban centers are also familiar with how the streets come to life once the chill is gone. And as things warm up and head into the summer, uh, we often see that uh, the, uh, the hotter it gets, sometimes uh, the more troubled people without good air conditioning will get as well. This is a new Quest conversation starting today, and we are featuring the letter U, which stands for Urban Churches. We've assembled a, a panel of uh, pastors, men and women from St. John, New Brunswick to Vancouver, BC, and each of them are going to share some of their insights and experiences uh, that come from being a pastor in the urban core. That is a, a uniquely different experience than pastoring anywhere else. While there are many unique challenges to urban life, there are also many unique attractions, and you're going to hear about some of that. You know, people are learning uh, in the urban core how to live slowly in the frantic pace of city life. And certainly, uh, pastoring people requires us to, to be centered. It requires us not to be consumed uh, by the rapid pace that's going on around us. So we're going to uh, share uh, in these conversations also about how we're building community partnerships, ways that we are engaging with, with our, our parish, our neighborhoods, and uh, learning from each other. You know, one thing I've uh, noted about urban churches the key to their success often is their ability to collaborate with community partnerships and partner with the body of Christ. We've got some incredible pastors coming up. Let's go to that interview right now. Welcome to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Rogers. This podcast is an exploration of God at work in Canadian cities. And we're in a five-month series that I call Quest Conversations. In these episodes, we're exploring various models of urban ministry in Canadian cities. So what are the letters of Quest an acronym for? Q, qualitative neighboring. U, urban church. E, energizers. S, street ministry engagement, and T, transformers. So as we're going along in these conversations, we're going to focus on one of those letters. Today's episode is brought to you by the letter U, which stands for urban church. Uh, so what do we mean by urban church? Our working definition of urban includes high density, meaning that uh, we live in areas that are densely populated, High diversity, meaning that there is a great range in terms of culture and subculture, and high disparity, the haves and the have-nots uh, coexisting in the same geography. That's what we mean when we say urban, and today we're talking with pastors of urban churches from coast to coast. Each urban center is so different from the other. 
but we're finding lots of common ground in what it means to be an urban congregation. So uh, we're going to introduce our guests for today. The first one uh, is we're going to go left to right from uh, British Columbia to New Brunswick. So starting on the left, Simon Gao is on staff at Broadway Church in Vancouver, BC. He serves as the community pastor and the executive director of City Reach. Tell us about yourself, Simon, and uh, take us on a five senses tour of the neighborhood that your church is in. What's it like and who might we meet on the street around Broadway? Uh, thanks, uh, Kevin. Vancouver is a, is a fascinating place and most people probably have heard two things about Vancouver that we have a high cost of living and we have lots of rain. And uh, I just wanted to let you know, okay, we don't have as much rain as everyone says we do. But the high cost of living is true. It, it, it's, it's expensive to live here. And that might lead to some of the, um, you know, uh, disparity that you were uh, mentioning. Uh, here in Vancouver, uh, we are very densely populated. Uh, we're the, actually the, the densest populated city in all of Canada. And so according to Tim Keller, we have the most image of God per square inch. Uh, right here in Vancouver, which means uh, the opportunity is, is so great. Uh, in just a three-kilometer radius of our church building, we have 36 elementary schools and six high schools. And so people are packed in this uh, small area in East Vancouver, where we are, and uh, they are multicultural, very diverse. We have refugees and immigrants and migrants. 48% uh, of the people that live just around our neighborhood here uh, we're born outside of Canada, and I'm pretty sure the other half uh, are just from other cities in Canada that have come to live here in Vancouver. Uh, I was born and raised here, and so I tell people that I'm a Vancouver unicorn uh, because people are surprised to meet someone who's actually from here. Um, uh, the area that, that we minister to and how our community looks, um, we, we, we serve a very low-income uh, area, and... Um, there's a 45% of the annual uh, income uh, in our area is less than $60,000 a year. So we, we have a, a, a group of people that we're serving here that uh, are predominantly not from here and are on, uh, are, you know, dealing with issues of vulnerability and poverty as well. Thanks. Uh, we're, uh, we're glad to meet you, Simon and uh, Vancouver truly is a, a wonderful place. Uh, we're, uh, we have a, a guest that will be joining us in a few minutes uh, from Edmonton, but let's uh, skip a couple provinces over to Manitoba and uh, meet Bruce Martin. He's the, the pastor of the historic Calvary Temple in Winnipeg, another uh, congregation that uh, over the years has remained in the city core uh, rather than moving out. So welcome, Bruce. Uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about Calvary Temple. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for having me share about uh, Winter Pig, uh, this is a <laughs> wonderful city, of course. And uh, I went for a walk this morning and did the, the Portage in Maine, uh, coldest place on the country of Canada, corner and it was a bit cold this morning actually and it's we're going to have some real winter here in a few uh in a few days so i um i've been pastoring here for 23 years i think that 
to talk about Calvary Temple and the fact that we're still in the downtown core, I would need to honor my predecessor, H.H. Barber, who just passed away a few months ago. And he used to say this, I heard him say it many, many times. If you're really serious about reaching your whole city, then you only have one option. You have to be downtown. And what he meant by that was that that 10 to 20% of the people who live in this core who come to our church could not get anywhere else on a Sunday morning when public transit doesn't run. So that's why the decisions in the 60s and 70s and 80s that this congregation made to stay here gives us an opportunity to be ministering in the most diverse place you could imagine. We have 70 different birth nations of people within our congregation. They come from all over the world. And uh, we have a lot, of, um, a lot of ministry connected. We call them fellowships uh, from various places, West Indies and African and French. And, and we also have a, have a hard of hearing congregation, our deaf ministry. And so we have a lot of ministries that reach to a lot of people. So I'll tell you more about that later, but um, I'm so glad to be here and to be able to represent uh, a really neat church. My wife and I, 23 and a half years, we love it. It's part of us. It's become really the, the, the call of a lifetime for us. We are so honored to be here and um, I'm looking forward to sharing with all of you today. Thank you, Bruce. And uh, I think, uh, is Anna Morganti part of uh, your church there in Winnipeg? Very much so. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the uh, Urban uh, Ministries Consultant with Mission Canada, and, and Anna is one of our urban workers. And uh, I hear nothing but good reports. And uh, one day we'll probably have to have Anna uh, uh, on, yeah. on the podcast as well. I'm sure she's got a story to tell. She has a story to tell, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, go across the prairies and land at YYZ, Pearson International Airport in Toronto. And we're going to rent a car. We're going to drive 20 kilometers northeast to the Jane Finch Corridor. Olu Jegede is the senior pastor of Christian Center Church. And uh, you can hear Olu in <clears throat> season one, episode eight, and in one of our uh, series on gangland preachers. Uh, so tell us a bit about yourself, Olu, and Christian Center Church. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, thanks for this opportunity. Uh, so Jane and Finch uh, is is a very very wonderful community. I I should I guess I should say uh, a little bit about our church first. So. Uh, I'm the lead pastor at uh, Christian Center Church, located in the Jane and Finch community of Northwest Toronto, North York. And it's uh, called Jane and Finch because of the intersections of the streets Jane and Finch. And so um, so our church is a very diverse church uh, right, in, right in the heart of the community. Um, so we pastor here, me and my wife, Jennifer. We've been, um, I've been on staff here for about 20 years. Uh, since I was the youth pastor and now the lead pastor. So it's just been an amazing journey. I came as a, as a student, York University is about a kilometer um, just east of us. 
And, uh, and so there you have just the, again, the disparity that you talked about, because our community is a struggling community. Um, we have lots of single family uh, homes, lots of uh, uh, people who haven't finished uh, high school or college and lots of unemployment as well. We have high stats in terms of um, the teenage um, pregnancies and, and so, so forth. So just plagued with, with tons of just negative social statistics. And, and then of course you have the disparity, you have York University uh, that has about 50,000 students and, and just really amazing buildings and obviously great facilities. And also then around us, uh, another half a kilometer away, you have wonderful homes, million dollar homes, uh, $800,000 homes. And then you have the Jane and Finch uh, streets as well, where you have rows and rows of townhouses, low-income apartment buildings, and you just see the stark disparity. So I tell people, you want to go on missions um, and, and you feel like the only uh, course or recourse you have is to go to the ends of the earth. Maybe not. God might be calling you to come into the urban community because when you enter the Jane and Finch community, it's like you've left Toronto almost because all of a sudden now you see the nations of the world. Uh, you see tons of different ethnicities and, and really um, it feels like, again, like you're in the other parts of the world that um, you would have to fly to. So we love being here. We serve here with our four children uh, and uh, with wonderful, wonderful staff. And we're just praying for God's heart in this community and in our city of Toronto. Wonderful. Let's uh, get back on our private jet. You know, urban pastors usually are uh, the wealthier uh, of pastors, not. <laughs> but we're, we're going to fly now to Montreal. And Kivens Amadi is the pastor of Eglise Gospel V a multicultural church located in the heart of Montreal's South Central District. Uh, bonjour, Kivens. And now for my high school French question. Uh, Parlez-nous de vous et de l'église que vous pasteur. Bonjour, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Um, yes, I'm Kevin. So our names are quite the same. Yes. I've been I've been pastoring Gospel V Church for over four years now. Um, actually, that's where I was. I was I got married 20 years ago with my wife. Uh, I started there as a youth leader, and then I became a deacon. Uh, I was preaching at that church. I left for about two years to join the pastoral team of another church in Montreal, and then came back. Uh, to become the lead pastor. I work with a wonderful team. Uh, it's a church that has people coming from uh, different parts of Africa, the Caribbean, uh, Europe, also, and of course, Quebec. Um, and we are also neighbors to, it's, a, it's an eclectic neighborhood because we are neighbors to the major TV networks of Montreal. Uh, the, the gay village of Montreal also is, is right next to, literally next to the church. We also have the uh, university student community there. So we we have so many different people coming uh, from all over the place. And when we get together, uh, we have a blast. It, it's, it's an honor uh, to pastor this church. Now we're going to go to the Maritimes. And Chad Nickerson is uh, at Calvary Temple in St. John, New Brunswick 
an uptown church. And uh, you can hear a full interview with Chad in season one, episode seven. Uh, so Chad, for uh, those who don't know you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Calvary Temple. Sure, I'm a, a Maritimer uh, born and raised, uh, originally from Nova Scotia and uh, pastored in Nova Scotia and now pastor in uh, St. John, New Brunswick. Uh, we call it the Uptown uh, due to the historical roots of our community here, but uh, we serve in the inner core of the small city of St. John, New Brunswick. And uh, we're at this church, have worked here in a, in a variety of capacities for 16 years. And our goal is to reach people with the uh, grace and love and truth of God. We're in, a, in an area that has significant challenges when it comes to child poverty, when it comes to uh, unemployment, and uh, some very, very serious uh, difficulties that in some ways, unfortunately, lead our nation with some of the very raw needs that are found here. And so we find ourselves in this place to serve and help. The congregation has made decisions to stay in the inner city. Uh, when many other congregations within even a block or two have had to close or had to move, uh, and we've made the choice to stay here, to continue to serve, to share, to care, and uh, it is a challenge, uh, but it is as well very rewarding to be able to be here and get to know the folks that stay here in the inner core, and we're excited to see some uh, urban renewal that's happening in our neighborhood and in our community. And uh, even that brings some other sets of challenges that we're beginning to discover and experience. Uh, but we are, are glad to be able to be here to represent Jesus and, and help those who, uh, who want to connect with us and be able to grow in the love of the Lord. In uh, Simon, in, in his uh, introduction to us, he uh, referred to a quote from Tim Keller, cities quite literally have more of the image of God per square inch than any other place on earth. How can we not be drawn to such masses of humanity if we care about the same things that God cares about? Now, Tim Keller is referring to that urban property of dense population. And, uh, but what are some of the reasons uh, that uh, you think people avoid ministry in the city core or in the the places that you are uh, not every pastor uh would feel that sense of yeah i want to be uh right in the heart of the city they they would prefer to live somewhere else so talk a bit about that why what are some reasons that people might uh avoid uh ministering or or living in the core of the city who want anybody just uh, unmute, pipe in? Go ahead, Kivens. Yes, uh, I'll, um, I'll say that, first of all, I was raised and born in the city. Okay, city for me is home. That's where I feel good. I love to see people, uh, crowds, you know, even the noise of the city to me is really appealing. But I think a lot of people associate city with violence, um, you know, some negative experiences, uh, greed, and people tend to want to stay away from, from these things. You know, even, even when we want to do ministry, we, sometimes we, we have a, an idea of, of ministry that 
not necessarily, doesn't necessarily pushes us toward uh, violence or uh, uh, danger, right? So city, city is where a lot of people think that uh, if you're gonna have a hard time, that's where it's going to happen. So, but, but it's not necessarily the experience that you know, every one of us is gonna have. Some people will have you know, uh, great opportunities and great experiences ministering to the cities. Yeah, anybody else? Uh, what, what do you find uh, people's ideas are about city life? that uh you know you you would know differently uh you know, honestly uh ministry within uh, an urban context in a city it it can be messy uh it can be expensive it can be raw and real and uh even just dealing with the um just the simple logistic of a language barrier uh is is huge within the city because um most half over half of our of, of our, in our context, 51% of the people that live in our neighborhood, English isn't their first language. And so though these, all these factors together, it, it, it adds another element of, of trying to do effective ministry within a city when we're maybe used to, or, or it's easier for us to, to operate in a different way. Simon, you, uh, you're a, a BC unicorn, a, a Vancouver unicorn. So, yeah. uh, have you ever lived outside of city life? Yeah, no, this is, this is all I've known. You know what, I, I was raised in kind of what maybe we'd call the suburbs, mm -hmm. uh, kind of Vancouver uh, next to, <laughs> I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so I have a little, a little experience in the ur urban setting uh, in like the suburbs versus mm -hmm. like the actual like downtown city core, like, um, like we just heard about. But, one of the Kev, one of the, the biggest uh, things I've noticed from moving from just slightly, you know, 30 minutes away from downtown core city to this suburbia, you know, if you can call it that, um, people in the city are eclectic. Like there's just like every type of person from every walk of life. And, and uh, there's an eclecticness to, to uh, city living that you don't find as much in, in the burbs. I think there there can be an exaggerated uh, social dynamic in in the city core. Uh, sometimes, you know, where where people find uh, the place where they can be themselves and where they find other people like them. And uh, yeah, that's an interesting observation. Uh, it's it's one of our broad strokes, of course. Uh, but uh, what about um, those of you who grew up outside of a city, uh, now finding yourself uh, in this very urban context, um, what was it that attracted you to uh, life in the city? Or did you come kicking and screaming and, uh, and disco discover that it was actually a good place? Uh, Chad Nickerson. I Same. totally came uh, kicking and screaming. Uh, I, I always said I would never live in a city. Uh, I, I, I just, I'm a country boy and, uh, and yet here I am and here I still am. And uh, you know, it, it's God. God, God draws us, God calls us and he opens doors and opportunities that he wants to grow us through. Um, it, it can be, it can be, you know, very different in an urban setting. A lot of the, the tools from our toolkit that maybe we know from ministry from a suburban setting or a rural setting, some of those just don't work. 
in an urban environment. And so that can be, that can be difficult, but uh, I really want to help people and serve people and respect people and meet them where they are. And, you know, those things are, are really the same anywhere you go, I guess. And so I've grown and been learning a lot as I've through kicking and screaming have got to this point. It's interesting. The, uh, the small town pastor versus the urban pastor. Uh, one thing that, that sometimes happens is that when a small town pastor uh, transitions to uh, living in, in the city, working in the city, uh, that they actually do quite well uh, because of the fragmentation in cities. You know, the, uh, the large metropolitan cities have very distinctive neighborhoods. They have people that uh, live in the, and work in that neighborhood. And, uh, you know, they may move from one neighborhood to another, but there's such a um, uh, centralized identity attached to each neighborhood. And, and uh, so sometimes a, a small town pastor can find that in that parish context of, okay, I'm in the, uh, you know, that neighborhood of the city, they can get a hold of that easier than they can get a hold of the concept of, uh, I've got a million people to minister to. Uh, people out who don't live in the city, uh, sometimes they look at the city life and they think it's so frantic, it's so fast paced. I couldn't handle the traffic, that everything's changing all the time. And, and th those are certainly urban realities. Uh, but I find that the people that thrive and do well in the city life often have learned practices that help them to slow down and to rest and to carve out space for personal renewal. So um, how are you learning to live slow in a, a geography that uh, puts so many demands on your time and keeps you constantly busy? Who's, who's, uh, who's mastered uh, the Sabbath here? Anybody? You want to talk about that? Sure, I could, I could jump in on this one, Kevin. So when, when we moved, uh, well, when we first got into ministry and things started to get busy, uh, my wife and I decided that um, we would take the, the one day as a Sabbath together. And for a period of time, she was working and then she started to stay home with the kids um, and, um, and I was working. So we took the one day that was my day off as a Sabbath. And that was amazing because it was like a like a vacation every week. We would not take any calls. We we would plan little things for the kids. And as the kids grew up, they realized that that was a sacred thing that we did. And we would even have our, our date nights um, in the evening at, at kind of at the end of the Sabbath. So it was it was beautiful. It brought life. Um, I think the other thing that I was thinking also in terms of how do we still you know keep our sanity was just we just try to keep things simple. Uh, so there's a period of time where we decided that we were not going to drive. Uh, we had a car, it was actually fairly brand new. Uh, but because of the fragmentation that you're speaking, we realized that uh, now that we were 
living right in the inner city, we didn't need our car a lot. The grocery store was across the road. The church was across the road. Uh, the kids' school was behind, you know, our home. And uh, we, for a whole month, we did not drive. Mm-hmm. And and so we we just realized that you know, keep your keeping your life simple allows you to really hear God distill things slower through the rhythms of life and it just brought more rest and so that's just one or two things that i wanted to add there well speaking of uh frantic life in the city and uh interruptions and all that uh, one of the guests that we didn't get to uh introduce yet uh was uh, uh called out for a moment from the meeting just after we started uh, the recording the podcast so welcome back debbie and uh, Debbie uh, Kunst is the uh, senior pastor of Edmonton's Father's House. And uh, if you go back to season one, episode 19, Spiritual Mother in the Father's House, uh, you can hear a lot more about uh, the work that Debbie is involved in in Edmonton, downtown Edmonton. So welcome back, Debbie. And uh Give us a, a, a brief introduction to yourself and Father's House. Thanks, Kevin. I apologize for, for leaving, um, but uh, here at Father's House, things uh, life has not gotten quieter. Uh, we stayed uh, busy completely through all the months of COVID. And uh, in fact, uh, so many praise reports of how God's been supplying for us here in Edmonton. And I left briefly because uh, someone came with a donation that had wanted to see me and speak to me. And I think it's important to to be able to thank people personally. So I did step away uh, here in Edmonton. It's winter time. And so um, everything that we do uh, has great meaning for people who are on the streets. Uh, Edmonton Father's House is uh, right in uh, Chinatown, actually, uh, 97th Street in Edmonton is an old part of the city. Uh, we are in a very old building that was initially, I think, began uh, in 1946, uh, the old Ukrainian Pentecostal temple. We actually took over that building and bought it to plant this church nine years ago. Uh, that church grew, the, our, the inner city maybe grew around that church. Anyway, it already existed and we planted with purpose. So I, I was listening to some of your questions about you know being downtown versus other places. And it's, it's Father's House is just so unique that sometimes I find myself uh, smiling because in a sense, I left a big church in the suburbs of the city to come to a smaller place in the inner city where I'm surrounded by lots of activity and lots of people. But in a sense, sometimes I feel like a small town pastor in that the inner city is a, a small uh, a small place uh, with lots packed into it. And so uh, with a lot of the other agencies that are downtown, we know one another, we know the same people. Um, and we go from place to place so the people come here and they go to the same places and and so um, in a sense it's a small world it's a big world because there is a lot of population downtown but for purposes of ministry in many ways it's a small world but I didn't know that when I came um, but I'm, I just find it 
one of the things that um, I love about being here, uh, aside from all of the different community drop-in work that we do and the meals that we offer and the, the services that, that come through Father's House, still one of my uh, favorite times is Tuesday night when we get out to do our street ministry. And um, even in the heart of winter, there are people that are still sleeping outside, camping outside. They've made um, shelters. And uh, one of my staff was laughing about uh, doing street ministry with me and that he said, you know, we go into these sketchy areas, these places where most people would never even approach at nighttime in the dark. And uh, uh, we go tromping in there where there's some shelters that have been set up. And I call out, anybody hungry, you need a sandwich, need something to eat. And it'll be quiet. There'll be a rustling. And all of a sudden, a voice from one of the tents will shout, is that you, Pastor Debbie? And I'm like, yep. And they're like, oh, and little faces will poke out of these shelters in the dark and a hand will come out of a flap and say yes please and do you have a blanket with you we're really cold or whatever and he's like it's just crazy how people know you but that they know me because I've been around long enough and I never realized when we started this what it would take or 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 how it would work it was just stepping into the door that God opened and I'm so glad he's opened the door here in Edmonton for us to do this ministry uh one of the things that my mom says I don't describe often enough is that Edmonton Father's House is a church in the inner city but we are a church of people who come from all over Edmonton to worship here so while we reach out to our community we are a church with uh, little children yesterday morning we were still able to do our preschool program, We College, an old Pentecostal program that's been going on for years. And we had our preschoolers here uh, with um, meeting protocols for COVID, still able to do that thanks to a premier who has allowed us to meet to worship still with uh, restrictions. And uh, so we can fill this place up with kids. And then in the afternoon, we open the doors and we have a whole different group that's coming in. And um, I, I just sometimes marvel over the people coming through our door on a daily basis. It just amazes me. And I just see how much uh, God has directed by his spirit that we're able to do this. I think when I first started uh, at New Song Church, I planted it here in Windsor uh, 27 years ago and uh, and happy anniversary yeah thank you yeah uh, when when we began uh, you know 27 years ago I, I think I had probably a, a greater sense of what I had to bring the little bit I had to bring you know the loaves and the fishes I had the little boys lunch and uh, but I, I knew I had to share it uh, and uh, what I discovered was uh, that uh, I've never been bored here in 27 years. I can't get away from it. And, and I'm learning stuff all the time. And uh, it isn't so much of uh, what I have to give, though that's part of it. Part of the work that we do in urban ministry is gathering the body of Christ around serving and loving our neighbor. 
but just uh, the ways that uh, I'm constantly learning and receiving um, from the, uh, the, the, what I would have thought were the most unlikely people to teach me anything. Um, you know, when you think about church planting in Canada, um, there's a few exceptions, but it's actually a pretty short line of people that are lining up to plant churches in the city core. Um, it's more likely that church planters will uh, be in the suburbs or uh, outlying communities. Um, and there's reasons for that, right? Uh, parking is usually limited. Uh, real estate is usually ridiculous. And sometimes the, the bylaws around uh, meeting space and, and that are, are just constant hurdles. Um, but if we're going to reach the densest parts of our country in meaningful ways, how are we going to adapt? How are we going to find better ways to be a living presence in our neighborhoods? What would you say to uh, somebody who said, I want to... I want to plant a church in downtown fill in the blank city, uh, but it's, it's just too hard. You know, there's too many obstacles. Where would, where would you start? How would you encourage them to, to lean in? And, and what's the cost of planting in an urban center? Who's got some thoughts on that? Just pipe in. And there's crickets. <laughs> yeah, go I'll ahead, Debbie. Weigh I'll weigh in a little bit. Uh, just uh, sometimes I have to um, work hard almost to put blinders on to focus uh, that God put me here doing this specific ministry because I am downtown and I do see the, the high rises, the new places. I mean, I'm, I'm just... I look at our new ice district in Edmonton, it's just a block or two away with huge new high rises going up with people that are gonna be living there. And, and I think about, um, there are churches downtown, but uh, many of them are, are not doing well. And I, I think, how would I, how, what would I do if I wasn't doing this? How would I reach people there? And uh, when we, gathered together in Toronto a couple of years ago when this this team met um, and we got a drive through Toronto and I saw the the high rise after high rise I mean just a city of of high rises uh it's just overwhelming I just couldn't help but think how there should be a church planted in every building because of the number of people that live in every building there could totally be a church and I I was thinking how if we could just help people to like rent an apartment or rent out a social space in each of those buildings to bring people together to reach them and it occurs to me i know that we think in in terms of planting churches but if we could if we could inspire every believer to be a church planter if every believer that lives in every area would think in terms of how can I bring people around, how can I reach the people around me, we would have churches planted everywhere. But I guess I think maybe we're approaching it wrong. We're thinking in terms of the, the formality of the 
the, you know, the, we have to formally plant a church and we have to uh, plan it out, but I, maybe we should be spending more time investing in every individual believer so that they know that they're all sent and that they all feel that burden of this is where I am. And there's like 300 people living above me. Um, how can I, how can I influence them for Christ? That could, that could be a Canadian revival. Uh, yeah. If, if every believer saw themselves as, you know, prophets, priests, and kings, queens, uh, as, as we saw ourselves as servants of the kingdom, uh, Kivens. Yeah, I think it's really interesting what, what Debbie is uh, saying. When I think of the context in Montreal, the city doesn't deliver uh, licenses anymore, permits for, for people who want to have a place of worship. So if you want to plant a church in Montreal city, you, you have to either uh, rent another church rent the church space or do something in your basement uh providing that the city allows you to do that in that specific neighborhood um and i think one of the challenges um is that we have this conception of okay this is what a church is supposed to look like you have to have a pulpit you have to have you know uh, seats you have to have a, a band a stage and everything but when i think of uh i, I like the, the 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 story in acts chapter two, where it says that the believers gathered, they went every day to the temple, right? And when we, when we read that, normally we think of, okay, so they went to the temple every day to, to have church, basically. But at the time, they didn't have church buildings. So the Christians would gather in the homes uh, near, near the water. And when they went to the temple, it was not actually to have church. It was to witness to their, you know, uh, brother Jews that, that were in the community. So if that was written in 2021, it would have said, well, every day they went downtown or every day they went to the schools. Why? Because that's where the people were, you know? So basically the church needs to be where people are so that we can witness. And if we can, you know, renew our minds uh, concerning what a church is supposed to look like, we can be more creative and have, like Debbie says, have churches like all over the place because it doesn't have to be you know, a building with a cross and a pulpit and, and everything else that we've, we've been accustomed to. Yeah, that, that's good, good thoughts there. Um, you know, when you look at, at uh, Paul's uh, missionary journeys in the book of Acts, uh, from Acts 17 through to the uh, end of uh, the book, Paul strategically travels to the urban centers of his time. He travels to Athens. Athens is an intellectual center. He travels to Corinth. Uh, it's a commercial center. He travels to Ephesus, uh, a religious city, uh, and to Rome, a political city. And um, so it, it, it seems that, that as the, the, the spirit was directing Paul to go to these various cities to begin church movements, uh, that, uh, that there was uh, very much a going to the centers of power and influence uh, in, in the local context. So when you think about uh, the, the way that uh, you do church in your city, 
Um, what are some of the centers of power and influence that, uh, that you are able to connect to, to speak to, to strategically reach? Uh, who, you know, uh, it, it doesn't take uh, much investigation to realize how different each of our cities are. The thing that probably makes them uh, common are the big box stores, but uh, other than that, uh, every city seems to have its own personality, and uh, there's there's uh, powers that be in each city. There are values. So talk a bit about that, and in your context, where where are the connecting points uh, for you with your ministry to uh, the uh, the gatekeepers? the uh, uh, the influencers, the power brokers in your city. You want to talk about that? Because church life often um, tent doesn't, we don't usually have churches that are filled with uh, all the doctors and lawyers and, and uh, influencers. Usually we have salt of the earth kind of people, you know, the, the common folks like us. So, so talk a bit about this, your connection to influence in the city. Uh, in Vancouver, we found uh, partnering with the school board has been pretty big for us. Uh, we see the school board as gatekeepers, um, just like uh, Kevin's just mentioned, like going to the schools, uh, building relationships with principals uh, in schools uh, has been absolutely huge for us. We're able to connect with families. Uh, really, Ministry doesn't happen with outside of relationship, and um, so if we can if we can get to a, a school center, build a relationship with that principal. Hundreds of families all travel to that school every single day to drop their kids off, and so if if you can get in with a principal at a school, and uh, the social workers that that know stories of kids' lives that that they give their life to to walking with these families. And uh, we start to serve the school by simply going in and saying, hey, how do, we, how do we serve you? How can we help you? What can we do for you? And, um, and we start loving on the school, just kind of focusing our love and attention on that school. We have found it pays massive dividends. Uh, it, it speeds up um, the relationship of trust with families. Uh, we're not asking families to come into our church building with our stained glass windows and stinky pews and all of their pre preconceived perceptions of, of the broken church. We're, we're meeting them where they're at, in their school, where they're comfortable, and we're able to offer programs and, and hear what they have to say. So say, oh, food security is an issue for you? No problem. We're going to get into the space of food security, and, um, and we're going to start to provide food hampers. And so that's one thing that our, our, the way our congregations responded, we're, we're serving a thousand families every single week, um, hampers of fresh food. And so that's one of our kind of our call it our, our outreach arms into the community. And, and the way we find these families in need, these vulnerable families is through the school board and through the school systems, meeting with principals. And so that's been a, just a, a massive kind of, uh, when you mentioned the word gatekeeper, Kevin, that, that, that's what really, it was like, oh yeah, that's right. That was the, that relationship was the gatekeeper to access the trust of these families. Be sure to come back for part two of this conversation. And uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, how we influence the culture of a city. 
And uh, part of the uh, unique uh, blend that happens in an urban church where the up-and-comer is sitting side-by-side uh, side with the down-and-outer and learning to, to love all people, learning to serve God together regardless of our backgrounds. So be sure to come back. And until uh, the next episode, keep one ear to God and one ear to the ground in your city. I'm Kevin Rogers, and this is Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. Mm-hmm.